we're First to Eleven. And you're checking out the Bottom Line Podcast. Welcome to the Bottom Line Podcast, your home for sports and entertainment talk. Jimmy Finizzi, Mr. Taco, a.k.a. Austin Myers with you. We hope you're doing well. As always, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to take a listen or view us. We truly appreciate it. Be sure to hit us up on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Bottom Line WM6. Don't forget to use hashtag Bottom Line. Austin, this is a big day for you personally, and I know this because... I am entering unfamiliar territory right now, once again, because not only are we going to, are we going to be talking about NASCAR and racing today, but we are going to be interviewing one of the youngest drivers in the entire NASCAR series, and that would happen to be the one and only Kaz freaking Grala. Austin, I'm actually really, really excited. I know you've talked to before on a previous podcast, so this is kind of a big deal for you. This is a huge deal for me, uh. Not only being that I get to talk to him, but I follow I've followed Cass since the beginning of his truck series career. So it's like there you go. A little bittersweet to me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But yeah, I, I actually I have some of his accomplishments up here. I took some notes today, actually, believe it or not. I actually came prepared for a little bit for this. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I try. And hey, listen. It is my birthday. I don't want to embarrass myself in front of this guy. So hopefully this will be a this will be a heck of a gift for me personally. But no, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, we're though, gonna make sure, I'm, we're I'm gonna, really excited. We're gonna make sure he tells you happy birthday too. <laughs> you don't have to do that, but I appreciate. No, no, it's it's gonna happen. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that, and uh, thank you to everybody who has wished me happy birthday so far. I really do. Well, appreciate I, it. well I didn't even remember until now. So happy birthday, bud. <laughs> Well, well, thank you. Thank you, Austin. Hey, you know what? At least you wish me it. <laughs> it yeah. It's all good. But with that being said, though, this is going to be really, really exciting stuff. So we want you guys to sit back, relax, and have a good time and enjoy our exclusive interview with the one and only Kaz Grala. Sit back and enjoy. special guest it is none other than a guy i have looked up to since the beginning of his career mr kaz girl kaz how are you today i'm living the dream thanks for having me on no problem 
Dude, anytime. Dude, it's our pleasure. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk to us two geezers over here, but we're not going to waste any more time and get into this. So I, I kind of have a first question here. As anybody who knows me by, by now knows, I love origin stories. I can't help it. I got to know how a person got started. Also, I know you obviously have a couple of questions for him and I'll get to you in a little bit. But with that being said, Kaz, I got to ask, how did you first get into NASCAR slash racing? I know I read that uh, your father was actually a uh, sports car driver himself. But other than that, though, how did you personally first get into NASCAR? I think that's an interesting question because it's specific, you know, right to NASCAR. I got into racing when I was four um, okay. and go-karts, road courses. Um, and I, I did that all the way till I was nine years old and had a blast doing that. And that, you know, that was a bit of a hobby. It was for fun. I mean, you're a kid. It's not like you can really call that a career or anything serious at that point. It was just mm-hmm. uh, something fun that I did. And I played little league and tennis and, uh, soccer. I, you know, I played all the sports that little kids play, but I just also had go-karting as part of that list, which I guess was a little bit less traditional, definitely less traditional, uh, for, for a kid out of Boston, Massachusetts, we, we right. love our small sports. There's not very much motorsports up there. It's certainly not at the forefront of anyone's mind. So, um, I, I was definitely in oddity at, at that age, go-karting, but, uh, the, the real story of how I got into NASCAR and got onto this, this side of motorsports would be when I was nine years old, I went to a, a camp at VIR called Camp Motorsport. It was a, a one-week overnight camp. Uh, obviously, I was very young at nine. So uh, being from Massachusetts and the camp being in Virginia, my parents came, stayed in a hotel in Virginia for the week while I was at the camp. You know, they mm-hmm. didn't want to be half a coastline away from from their their little baby at the time so they were hanging out in in Virginia and looking for stuff to do and they saw Charlotte's only a a few hours away so they went down to Charlotte and heard that the summer shootout was racing on Tuesday night they had nothing better to do so they went and watched um you know we always loved racing but my my dad he raced sports cars and so he was more aware of the sports car IndyCar Formula One um, you know, road racing stuff, uh, obviously knew NASCAR, watched NASCAR. I had been to a NASCAR race uh, in the grandstands when I was like six. Um, so we were around it, but that wasn't really his wheelhouse. So they went and watched the short track racing at, at Charlotte and happened to sit next to Tim Sindrick in the grandstands. Uh, and they got to talking and turns out Tim's son was also nine years old uh, or 10 years old, I think. Uh, racing Vandaleros at the summer shootout. So they they became friends. They had no idea who Tim was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tim offered, you know, hey, if, if your son wanted to come out and do a test session in Austin's Bando, just to see what it's like, see if he likes it, and maybe this is something you guys get into, then come out and do that. So uh, a couple of weeks later, I went down to the, the Charlotte Fifth Mile, back behind the, the speedway, and drove Austin Cindric's Bandolero for, for a few laps. And those were my very first laps ever on an oval. Uh, up until wow. that point, I had made more right turns than I'd made left turns. So um, that was when I was nine. And that, that was really kind of what started that transition because, of course, I loved it. Um, I got a Bandolero and ended up uh, being teammates with Austin and with Myatt. It was the three right. of us 
on our on the bando team driving for mike gordon racing um, oh man <laughs> so yeah that was that was that i did that for three two three years then did legends from there and then um that from from that point had more of a traditional nascar ascent you know mm-hmm. late model stock cars uh the knn series east super late models um, and that's, that's all the stuff that I drove up until I got to, to the truck series. So, you know, I think everyone, everyone lately has labeled me as a road course racer. I think that's purely because I've happened to do more NASCAR races on road courses lately, just with the way right. my part-time schedules have fallen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I, I guess I drove on road courses from when I was four till I was nine, but I, I'd say that only makes me like a road course ringer. Since since I was nine years old, I've done nothing but ovals, short tracks, you know, more typical. So, I mean, I, I think I'd call myself more of an oval guy than than a road course guy. But I, I just love the road courses. I think oh, they're yeah, so much yeah. fun. And I've had some good success on them. So um, I'm a big fan of the road courses. I'm glad they added a bunch to the schedule. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, people people kind of think that that's totally where I came from. And like, no, I, I raced it. Hickory and Caraway and South Boston Speedway for yeah. years mm. and years and years. Legends <laughs> and late models, late models like that's that's where I come from. So uh, you know, coming off a weekend like Martinsville, I wasn't racing, I was just watching, but uh Martinsville is less than two hours from where I live in in North Carolina. So I drove up to Martinsville this weekend, sat in the grandstands, grabbed a couple of hot dogs and watched the races. <laughs> Ah, nothing wrong with that. Now, that was going to kind of lead me into my follow-up question. I'll get to Austin in a little while. I apologize. Hold on. No, hold on. He br- he what, brought, what, what, Austin? He brought, What's wrong? He br- What's wrong? He brought something up in his career. He brought something up that I really want to Oh, no, no, no. Go, go, go ahead. I apologize. And it was how he talked about how he's been friends with Cendric and Snyder since they were young. Right. And you've seen Cendric through his success, and you've seen my app try and do what he can to better himself as a driver so my question is when Cedric won the Xfinity championship and won the Daytona race this year was it kind of surreal knowing that you've seen him or you've been friends with him since he was young yeah I mean I, I it's it's really funny how the three of us all started when we were I was nine Austin was 10 and Maya I think he's a couple years older he was like 11 and we were the three teammates on our bando team and it's funny that now we're we're all racing on Saturdays and Sundays up at the national level of NASCAR together so that is cool cool to see and um yeah Cindric I mean how about that he's had quite the start to his, his yeah, he had one heck of a start he's run really well but he backed it up too like he he it won really the Daytona 500 and he was fast, ran up front, finished well at California and Vegas. Like he, hmm. he's get you know killing it in in Cup this year. So that's really really cool to see. Um, and I I have no doubt that that his career is going to have have a lot of success. You know, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I think Team Penske is going to be uh, at at the front of the the curve of learning these next gen cars because of Team Penske's diverse background as a race yeah. team all the different series they do compete in all of a sudden you change the the rear end and the the suspension the way these cars work and you're not going to be able to change it to anything that they haven't seen before in other series um yeah. so you know i i think they've they've done an excellent job at, at catching on and cindric has been right on the forefront of that success oh yeah 
Wow, absolutely. Now, Kaz, I was my my follow up question was going to be this: You're only 23 years old. Obviously, you started racing at a very young age. Now, before I get into my follow up question here, let me ask Austin this because I don't think I ever asked you this. And this may be a little bit personal. How old are you, Austin? 20. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm the I'm the old geezer in the room. I just turned 28. I'm old. But anyway, with that being said, having started racing at such a young age, obviously the nerves were the nerves were kicking in. I understand what that's like. You're only 23, so you always have a long career ahead of you, and I'm rooting for you all the way. Do you still get nervous whenever you go out there to compete for a race? I used to get so so nervous for races, like so nervous I couldn't eat on the day. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, and I'm talking, this was when I was in like bandits racing bandoleros at the summer shootout. And the summer shootout race, the, the racing starts at like 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. I couldn't eat that day if I was racing that. And, that, you know, that was when I was 9, 10 years old. And um, I used to think, that, you know, at, at that age, all I would think about was, well, gosh, I really, I want to make it. I want to make it in NASCAR. I want to get to cup and nationwide and trucks. But I'm like, if I'm this nervous now, it, I mean, I would pass out if I had to make like a nationwide mm. start or, or a cup start. I'm like, I, that would be the most nerve wracking thing in the world. I, I don't know if I'll be able to handle that. Well, that's what I thought is that those nerves would rise as you, as you got higher, but it's honestly been just the opposite. And, and I think the, the reason behind that, I mean, of course I've gotten older, I've matured, but I think that there's some level of, relief um and relaxation the higher up you get because you feel like you're closer to where you want to be you're closer to to achieving what you've been working for your whole life there's some mm. peace in you know when you're really young you're in legend cars you're in late models you you still have so far to go there's still right. so much more to learn so many more levels to get through so many more challenges and obstacles that have i mean have definitely been hard on me. And as, as you see, I haven't raced full time the last few years. It It's definitely been difficult for me to try to scratch and claw my way back into, into seats and get more races and, you know, always trying to find sponsorship to be able to race more. And this year has, has really come together nicely. I'm getting way more races than I've gotten the last mm. few years, but that's awesome. As you kind of work towards being closer to where you want to be. Ultimately, I, I feel like it's less pressure because you mm. are Close. You know, I got that. I got that opportunity a couple of years ago to fill in for Austin in the three car at RCR. And uh, again, I thought that that would be the scary. Well, truly, when you look at the circumstances, that's about as bad as it gets. You get 24 hours of notice to go sit in like the most famous cup car with no <laughs> during COVID with no practice. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, you have to start in the back dead last. So it's like, well, that that's about as bad of a situation as you could imagine. So you would think I'd be terrified, but the, the truth is it was, it was fun. And I was able to enjoy the weekend because it, it was one of those times where even though you're, you're in the moment, you know that that's going to be one of the best memories that you have mm -hmm. for your life. If, if you never race again after that, that right. is the coolest moment ever. It's not one that you need to say, oh, looking back on it, I should have enjoyed those times more. I should have soaked that in more. No, I, I knew in the moment how big of a deal that was. So I was actually able to enjoy the weekend and kind of soak it all in. And, you know, under the, on the pace laps, I was driving around, I was in 
10th on the pace laps because that's where Austin would have started was 10th yeah. based on last week's metric. And right. Driving around it, I've got Jimmy Johnson in his last season in the 48 car in my mirror on the pace laps. And, you know, it was the little details like that, that I, I really enjoyed and was able to soak in in the moment and know how, how cool that was. Um, and then obviously I ended up finishing seventh in that race. So that was a lot better than I, well, way better than I expected. I'd say way better than probably anybody expected. So that, that was just the icing on the cake for the weekend. So that that's one of those weekends that, I mean, it doesn't matter what you go on to do. I end up, you know, going back to college and just having a normal desk job someday. Or if I go on to win, you know, 15 formula one world championships, it doesn't matter where you end up that weekend that I had in the three car will forever be mm-hmm. one of, if not the coolest things to happen in my life. I'm going to throw this back to 2018 because there was a uh, lot of unexpected things that happened in 2018 for you and your career. You started with JGL and then they quote unquote released you and then you started up it was with your father where you guys started up the other team that i'm it was fury and that was just a spur of a moment thing correct yeah it was really short notice so you know i went into that season with a contract for a full-time xfinity season with this team jgl and um we we had a good start to the year finished fourth at daytona that was my xfinity debut and then um, we had some other top 12 finishes in those first few races, but, uh, the first five races were really good. The, the next five races, things started to fall apart a little bit at the team. I think budget was running a little bit thin for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that they were really being able to do everything that, that they needed to do to operate, um, at the, at the level that we did in the first few races. Um, so the performance dropped off a little bit. Um, and then evidently we, we learned the, the owner was having some health concerns. And so he, he pulled back the funding from the team. Ultimately he ended up, um, he didn't even just release me. He shut the team down. He shut, um, it was a two car team. He shut our car down after the 10th race. Mm-hmm. I think that, down. that other car, I think went two more races and then that, that car shut down too. So the team just completely went away. Um, but I got a little lucky with the timing where he closed my car down after the 10th race. And that happened to precede two off weekends for Xfinity. Mm-hmm. So we had three weeks until that next race. And that gave us just barely enough time <coughs> to try to start up our, our own deal. And it, it worked out because, because of course the contract was not fulfilled by not doing the full season for me. Uh, what he ended up doing was he gave me three of the cars because mm-hmm. um, he was shutting the team down. He didn't need them. And he was like, well, you know, this will be your, your payout here is you'll get the cars. And I'm like, well, what the heck? Right. Are you three Xfinity cars. I was 19 years old. I live in a little apartment. What am I, I now own three Xfinity cars. What am I supposed to do with that? Mm-hmm. But my dad owns Fury race cars, which is a late model and modified manufacturer. And um, so we, we took the cars over there and we were like, well, can we, can we get something going here where we can run these cars maybe? And, um, turns out everyone on my Xfinity car, uh, at JGL that was let go because of the car shutting down. Well, they're all looking for work. And they were like, well, yeah, why don't, why don't we just keep going? We'll 
come back. So I ended up keeping my same crew chief, my same engineer, same car chief. It was pretty much the exact same group that was at JGL operating the car, but now was at Fury. Um, and we basically just said, hey, anytime we've got sponsorship to go, we'll go. Um, and it, you know, we didn't end up running full time, but we ran another 12 races. Um, so I think in total, we did 22 out of those 33 races that year and had some top tens, a few top fives. And for us, I mean, we were, we were underdogs. JGL was an underdog and we were definitely underdogs as Fury competing against Gibbs and RCR and, um, junior motorsports. And we were out there doing a good job. So I, I think that was, that was probably the main reason that I ended up being able to come up here under the RCR campus, um, following that year was at Michigan in, in our Fury car, I led laps and ran up front all day, ended up actually getting shipped by Austin Dillon uh, for the win. He oh, wow. Back into turn one, knocked us back to 12th. That was from the lead. Caution comes out. It rains. The race is over. Yep. Oh, <laughs> I remember, God. I remember oh, that. Lord. He won that race, but um, that was when Hemrick was in the 21 car. So I raced with okay. the two of them up front for much of the race. Um, them and Sadler were, it was mm -hmm. four of us pretty much up front duking it out. So uh, I think that was probably what, what kind of first made my name known here, here at RCR because they were having to deal with me in that race. So I uh, ended up coming here the next year and as you know, that's, this is kind of where I've, I've ended up for the last few years, moving around wherever the opportunity is that opportunity again. colleague. Mm -hmm. um, so I've, I've been involved in the group up here at RCR for a couple of years. And um, actually I can say this because the news just broke while we have been talking. Um, I'm going to be driving the 48 car in the Xfinity series for at least the next couple of races. Oh, really? nice. Oh, really? Nice. Good yeah. for you, man. That's and, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This team, that's where I'm sitting right now. Um, this team is on the RCR campus this year. They just moved in up here and they, they work really closely with RCR and have an alliance. So a uh, little bit of a homecoming for me again, it's been a couple months since, since I've, been in these meetings up here on campus, but I'm, I'm back working with many familiar faces that, that I've, I've seen the last few years. So uh, that should be fun. That'll be there. Xfinity's off this weekend, mm -hmm. but I'm right. not uh, in uh, the truck BO2. for sports on Bristol dirt, which should, should be fun. I did not do this race last year, so don't really know what to expect, but I know I'll have a lot of fun. So that's this weekend. <laughs> Then uh, Talladega the next weekend and Dover the weekend after that in, in the 48 car. So right. it should be, should be a cool little stretch here for me. Dropping a little breaking news here. I like it. We're talking to Kaz Grala, NASCAR driver here on the Bottom Line Podcast. You mentioned Austin Dillon before. I wanted to bring this up because I thought this was very, very fascinating stuff. Back in August of 2020, you actually got the call to fill in for Austin Dillon after he tested positive for COVID in the Go Bowling 235 and you would finish seventh in your cup debut tell me what that meant to you i know austin dylan is somebody you look up to so what did that mean for you to uh, sort of fill in for him when he was down and out for the count of the time it was really cool that that austin and everyone at rcr trusted me to to get in that car having never made a cup start before because i mean what 
what you don't see is RCR here is a massive campus of it's huge a dozen buildings and you know 400 employees in total um so this is a, a really really big operation and, and mm. there were you know i don't even know some like 20 something million dollar budgets per car mm -hmm. in, the, in the cup series you know they're they're one of the top organizations so that's there's a, a lot behind this program so to have somebody step into a car and drive it mm -hmm. is a is a big deal because there's a lot on the line there's a lot for their partners on the line right. a lot for all of their employees, you know, if you go wreck a car, if you have a, a really bad race and they don't get good owner points, like that, that all matters a lot. This is a professional sports team with a high budget and a lot of, a lot of partners, a lot riding on it. So um, it, it was really, really flattering that, that they, they trusted me behind the wheel and thought that I, I was the, the best guy for the job that weekend. And um, I, I was that that's really why I was so happy to finish where I did was because I, I felt like I I proved to everybody here that they didn't make a, a crazy decision because going into it, you probably could say it was a crazy decision. I mean, right. You've got to drive out and they put somebody in with no practice that's never driven a cup car before someone that at the time had driven seven Xfinity races in total for them. You know, I, I was pretty brand new um and and had just gotten my feet wet a little bit in their xfinity cars mm -hmm. and they put me in that weekend so i mean i it was it was pretty gutsy of them and definitely mm -hmm. could have backfired in a big way <laughs> so <laughs> i, I mean, that was kind of my goal going into the race was just don't do anything stupid Where, wherever <laughs> i finish that's fine right. just don't do anything stupid for right. myself and for all of them you know we we just needed to have a a decent day um and i think that no matter where we had finished if i if i had done that and done a done a solid job and a respectable job I, I think everyone would have been thrilled and that that's all they expected of me was just you know their goal was to have me go in and just just run just run a mediocre clean race nothing exciting and that that'll be a good day to get through the situation with austin being out um yeah. but of course we we went out we did well and i know everybody was thrilled so um that that's was cool. awesome there's no doubt that was a turning point in my career because it, it put me into conversations towards the end of, end of 2020 that I, I absolutely was, was not in otherwise, you know, I was the top candidate, very, actually very, very close to getting the, the go fast racing 32 car. Oh, oh man. <laughs> which they ended up selling the charter. Mm -hmm. um, but if they hadn't sold the charter, I was really deep into talks with them and, um, I, I got pretty far along in talks with uh, Front Row Motorsports for the 38 car. Um, I ultimately ended up driving the College Cup car um, mm -hmm. and, and had a, a pretty good, well, we did three races on the plate tracks. We wrecked in two of them and finished sixth in the other one. So, you know, plate racing. That's how it, it goes. It's a crap show. Yeah, but pretty much. It, it, it just, it put me in a position to, to, to earn a lot of opportunities that I didn't have before then. So I, I'll forever be grateful for, for RCR for putting me in for that weekend and really helping me out a lot. And now it's two years later and I'm, they're still stuck with me up here on campus. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's led to a, a, a lot of cool opportunities for me and, and has helped, helped my career significantly. So now I get the opportunity to get in the 48 car and 
see how well we do together. This is a, a, in itself a pretty new organization, only its second year. Um, and it's its first year working with RCR here. So everybody is really, really, uh, you know, trying to grow it and, and do really well. And they they have all all the resources that, that they want here at RCR. And I have no doubt that, that we're going to be able to do really good things together. So I don't know how many races I'll be in. I know I'll be in for Talladega and Dover and we'll we'll go from there. And I mean, that in that 48 team, they definitely they've had some very good results with Jade. They've had, I believe they've had a few top 15s, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. And they've had great speed. And this mm-hmm. year, man, the Xfinity Series is stacked this year. You know, I, I drove a couple races earlier this year for Alpha Prime Racing. For Alpha Prime, yeah. Learned firsthand, like, the field is really deep this year. It, it, you got the first 12 to 15 cars that can win any given weekend, but you've got from probably 12th back to 30th that are all pretty even mm-hmm. uh, on, on speed. And it's, it's a dogfight back there for 26th, for 27th. You know, in the old days, uh, the field was a lot more shallow. You know, it, yeah. if you just had a, a, a decent driver, you'd run top 20. Now, I mean, you're racing good guys and good team. The key is good teams with good motors this year. Um, there's a lot of them, and they go all the way back through through the top 30 there. And they, they've been sending cars home every week. There hasn't been one Xfinity race yet that they haven't sent cars home from. That's how um, big the field is and tough the qualifying is. So, frankly, for Alpha Prime, our goal was to make the race every week. Um, yeah. yeah that's a big enough challenge this year in Xfinity. It's really, really good. So um, we certainly have our work cut out for us here with, with the 48 group. The, the series is incredibly healthy this year, but uh, meeting everybody here, seeing their cars and hearing what, what their plan is, you know, they absolutely have, uh, have everything that, that they need to be able to do this and do this well. And they've, they've started to show that already. And we're, we're hoping to keep, keep on the growth. Mm-hmm. That's so really, I, really awesome. I'm sorry, Austin, go ahead. So I do want to bring up this year with Money Team and the Next Gen. Mm. I would like to know how this came about. <laughs> and then I would, I kind of want to know your thoughts on the Next Gen car. Mm. Yeah, well, that's one of those conversations actually that came about from that race in the three car in 2020. So um, I already started working with the Money Team at the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. and it, it was originally to to potentially do what we're doing this year, a couple of starts sprinkled in in 2021. Um, but with COVID, the sponsorship moved a little bit slower than than they anticipated for timing. And um, it, it turned out that we were going to be able to do a better job and be more ready for the 2022 season. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that ended up being our plan. And it, it didn't really get firmed up. Uh, it started getting firmer around Thanksgiving last year. Um, but it, it was not a hundred percent that this is happening until actually the first week of January. So it, uh, it, it took some time to, to move everything along and to get it where we needed to get to be confirmed. But, uh, we ended up getting the, getting the next gen car delivered from NASCAR about the middle of January and 33 days after we received the chassis, we raced in the duel and made it into the Daytona 500. So it was a really quick timeline. Um, they did a great job getting the car together from scratch and 
did a nice job with it. And um, we made the Daytona 500 and then we raced at Coda. Uh, we finished 25th, which, you know, may not seem flashy to somebody who, who isn't real familiar with the sport. 25th sounds pretty far back, but mm-hmm. you look at the cup field, the teams, the drivers, mm-hmm. it's stacked. And I mean, you not even just look at the field, you look at the track it was at. Coda of all places. Coda's a very difficult track to race, mm-hmm. let alone in a cup car. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a field of, of 39 teams and drivers. So uh, that means we beat 14 really, really impressive organizations. You know, I think we beat 2311. I think we beat both of their cars. We beat, um, mm-hmm. I think a Roush car, you know, but we ran, we ran all day, uh, pretty much right ahead of or behind Keselowski and most of the day ahead of Kurt Busch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for us, for our team, that was, that was a really great outing. Um, and, and we showed great speed and, um, did a good job. So that that's obviously a brand new organization. So they're, they're growing and getting better and trying to, to gain people and gain, gain time, gain sponsorship, um, build out their program. And so this is just the start. And I feel like we're already mm. doing uh, a, a better job than, than probably where we should be at, at this point. So um, that's been cool to be a part of obviously Floyd Mayweather coming into the sport is a big story. And it's been, it's been really cool to, to be the driver that they picked to be behind the wheel. But yeah, it all stems back to that that cup debut late in 2020 is, is what put me in the conversations that, that I've been in. And, yeah. Oh, you have the next gen car. I, I love the next gen car. I think it's really fun to drive. It's, it's a challenge. I think that they need to do something about the package for the short tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I feel like the, the next gen cars make less aero grip than the old cars, but mm-hmm. more mechanical grip. So you see on the big tracks at Fontana at Vegas, you saw guys had their hands full. They well, oh yeah, gosh, in California, in California, I think they wrecked half the field before the before there was ever a race. You know, it was mm-hmm. everybody really, really challenged with this car, and I think that's how it should be when you're at the top level of stock car racing in the world, the top form of motorsports in the U.S. It shouldn't be easy. the The drivers should be challenged, and they should yeah. really have to to be on their game to drive these cars. I think that's perfect. Um, but we've come to Richmond, we've come to Martinsville now. We've got these really wide tires on the next-gen car, much wider than what they've had. And they've yeah. got brakes, um, that independent rear suspension, all of it adds up to the car having a lot of mechanical grip, which on a track like Martinsville, that's all you need. You're not worried right. about it at Martinsville. You're worried about mechanical grip. And you saw the cars were really gripped up. It, it even was to the point where you saw guys um, bumping each other, trying to move each other out of the way in the middle of the corner, and the car wouldn't budge. It just wouldn't mm. even work. Yeah, you'd get into the guy in front of you, and he'd just stay stuck. So, <laughs> right, yeah, right. I think they're going to have to work on that a little bit. Um, but uh, gosh, it's a new car. What do you What do you expect? I think that the the debut of this car so far this year has probably gone a lot better than it should have. Uh, mm-hmm. when, when you think of how much is new with the car, there could have been so many issues so far this year. And there, it's been pretty minimal. I, it's been a smooth transition. And yeah. we've seen, I would say, um, through the first six or so races, we've seen better, more exciting racing mm-hmm. than we've seen in a while. 
And I think everyone was was agreeing with that and feeling that way. We get to Richmond and Martinsville. I think the cars are maybe a little bit too gripped up, a little too easy to drive. Mm-hmm. But you know, that this is what NASCAR does. They'll they'll make adjustments, they'll they'll make new rules packages for short yeah. tracks, maybe a different tire or mm-hmm. more horsepower. They'll figure it out yeah. and they'll dial the racing into to where it needs to be. I think a lot of the drivers coming out of the last couple of weeks have had the same feedback. So uh, everybody's kind of working towards the same thing. The goal of what we want for racing, of what the fans want to see and what the drivers want to feel right now seems to be the same direction. So I have no doubt that that they're going to dial that in and, and get the short tracks good. But what I can say is heard some feedback from Stuart Friesen's test uh, in the next gen car at, the, at Bristol Dirt. And we've seen the feedback, the videos. Mm-hmm. It looks awesome. I think these right. cars. I think they're they going to like help. Yeah. They look like they work really well on the dirt. I mean, it, Stewart was flying around there. He really was. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm a lot of the drivers. I'm not doing the Cup car this weekend, just the truck. But I've, okay. I've heard a lot of the guys pretty excited going into this weekend and think it's going to be really fun. So uh, can't wait to see that one. Uh, I'll I'll race Saturday in the truck and then head back home for for Easter on Sunday. But we'll definitely have the TV on with the Cup race. During uh, during your dinner, so that should be fun. And there you, you talk, go. And you talked about the next gen tires. We've seen the next gen tires have issues this year, and I just want to get it from a driver's standpoint. With the quote unquote issues we've seen with the tire and the whole don't don't flat spot the tire because it will blow very easily. From the driver's standpoint, does that worry you when you're in the next gen car or? Um, you know, well, it's we, we've seen the uh, the circumstances be worse when you get a flat tire uh, because they can't easily tow the car back to pit lane. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, that that's definitely something that's been frustrating to see, because if you do get a flat tire, you, maybe you go a lap down you shouldn't go multiple laps down yeah. there's been some that have because it takes that long to get the cars towed back around to pit road so um that that's different this year but i they've been working on that and we actually i don't feel like i've seen that since the first few races so maybe mm-hmm. they have fixed something uh, but that hasn't been as big of a storyline the other issue we've seen is with the single lug mm-hmm. we've seen some wheels come off um, which of course is not good for your race, but it's also not safe. Mm-hmm. Um, these wheels and, and the, the tires and wheels com- combined are something like 75 pounds. So mm. you definitely don't want to see a, another car hit that at speed uh, for the driver's sake, but you, you don't want it for the fans sakes either. And uh, in the grandstands or in the infield, because those tires, if they're moving quickly enough can be pretty dangerous. So that's exactly why you see such a big penalty when a wheel comes off it's a four race suspension and a, a fine for for the team it's a big deal i had to come off in the daytona 500 actually um don't know how we didn't hit anything because i went from facing forwards to facing backwards at 180 Ooh. speed before i even knew what happened before you're like <laughs> we ended up finishing the race we were just fine which was crazy um but 
I, I, I think that's something they're actively working on. They're working on tr trying to figure out how the lug nuts can sync up with the hubs better so that there's less, uh, less mistakes made when uh, attaching the, the lugs and helping them lock on better. So uh, that's another thing. I'm sure they'll have that uh, dealt with very, very quickly. We're right. seeing it last year as the season goes. So um, those are really the, the two things. And I, I think that they're, they're both in, in the works and being fixed, but as a driver, you don't have time to worry about any of that stuff. You're, right. you're out there to do your job and you're not thinking about flat tires or flat spots or the wheel coming off. Cause if you are thinking about that, then you're probably not doing very well in the race. <laughs> exactly. So, your job, worry about that only. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We're talking to NASCAR driver Kaz Grala here on the Bottom Line Podcast. Last one for me, Kaz. I just want to go back here on your accomplishments. And you've had quite a few over your young career so far. And there's a lot of accomplishments here. So please bear with me for a few seconds if you don't mind. At 18 years old, you became the youngest driver to make the NASCAR playoffs. The youngest NASCAR race winner at the Daytona International Speedway. And you also became the youngest NASCAR pole winner at the Daytona International Speedway. At 15 years old, you became the youngest driver to compete in an International Motor Sports Association race. And at 14, you became the youngest racer, youngest race winner, excuse me, in UARA Stars. And if I can pull up your races here, here we go. In the NASCAR Cup Series, you had six races run over three years, finishing in the top 10 two times. In the Xfinity Series, you had 37 races run over five years, finishing in the top 10 nine times. In the Camping World Truck Series, you have 38 races run over five years with one win, one pole position win, and finishing in the top 10 17 times. So... Those are quite the accomplishments for you, and I'm very, very impressed. You, you are, you're already starting to become one of my favorite people, by the way, and we can't thank you enough for coming on and talking to us a little bit about this. But looking back at all of your accomplishments in your 23-year career so far, what does all of this mean to you, knowing that you still have a long way to go in your NASCAR career? Well, you know, I, I look at it as no, nothing's ever definite, so I hope I have a, mm. a long time left in my career, and I I really would like to. This has been my dream forever since I was little. And my goal has been to become a cup driver, make a living doing this. I'd love to be a full-time cup driver someday. Um, but I've, I've had a lot of fun doing this and, and you're, you're reading off what I've done. And so I, I, I feel really, really pleased with what I have accomplished. And you know, if it was all gone tomorrow, um, I, I've, I've loved doing this. I wouldn't trade it for the world. This has been the... Mm the best part of my life. It's my passion. So, um, I, I'm, I, it means a lot to me, everything that I, I've been able to do and accomplish and race and met a lot of great people and, you know, just lifelong memories, but yeah. I, I hope to be able to keep making those and keep putting down stats as, as long as I can. Um, and, and would love to just do this for, for my whole life, for, for my career. Mm -hmm. Um, that's always a work in progress. I think the, the, the best way to get, get that momentum going for this being a long career is to land a full-time ride. Um, and so that, you know, that's been my priority for the last few years. And uh, I went into 2019 with five races on my schedule. Right. Went into 2020 uh, with five races on my schedule. <laughs> went into 2021 with four races on my schedule. 
this year I go in with 18 now adding Talladega and Dover, at least with the 48 team. We're looking at 20. Okay. Never know what I can pick up from here. So, you know, I it, just a few more races and that will be the same number of, of races as a full-time truck season this year. Um, so I, I'm definitely in the seat way more than I have been uh, in the, in the past few years. And it helps me a lot to stay in the rhythm, to stay, to stay warmed up, um, especially during COVID. It was really tough racing mm. once every couple of months and you have no practice and you have no qualifying and you literally strap into the car and you just go race and you haven't even raced in months. Yeah. Um, and so that that's really difficult. So this year has been great for me to, to be in the car a lot. I ran actually two double header weekends this year, which I had never run in my life before this year. Wow. Um, so I, I've, I've gotten a, a lot of seat time so far this year and we'll continue to, as we go. And so all of that just prepares me for each, each race better feel good going into Bristol this weekend in the truck. I, I, Look, I'm not a dirt guy. We talked about my background. None of that included dirt, did it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's certainly outside of my comfort zone. But shockingly, I did pretty well at Eldora the one year I ran it in trucks, 2017. I qualified third overall and won my heat race, uh, started the race third. And I was running, I think, sixth or eighth in the feature when uh, Christopher Bell spun, I ended up T-boning him, killed our front end. Ooh. So we didn't finish the race, unfortunately, but we ran pretty solid for a kid that doesn't know anything about dirt. You know, I, I was running with the dirt guys. That's yeah. that's pretty much where I ran all, all day. So, um, gosh, I don't know what to expect with Bristol. I've never been there on dirt. I haven't done a single dirt race since Eldora in 2017. Mm. So I don't know, but... Uh, I do remember how much fun it was. So I absolutely can't wait for this weekend. And I could go out and run in the back and be junk, or I could surprise myself again and maybe run really well. I don't know. Um, I mean, you I do, wherever I'm running, it's going to be so much fun because oh, yeah. I, I love dirt. I love Bristol. Bristol is one of the coolest places ever. So to do them both at the same time, I saw it on TV last year. I didn't mm. even go to the race. So I'll, I'll walk through the gate this year, seeing Bristol dirt for the first time. <laughs> so I can't wait. That's really mean, awesome. You talked about Eldora and Eldora compared to the Bristol dirt race is pretty much a completely different beast because one's pretty much flat and the other's got a lot of banking to it. <laughs> yeah. Eldora just, just, just to put it lightly. Yeah. I, I was going to put it in banking, but I was like, <laughs> Very, very different. You know, Eldora is pretty fast for a dirt track, mm -hmm. um, but Bristol's really, really fast and bigger, um, more banking. So totally, totally different uh, layout and a totally different type of, of dirt. So, I, you know, I don't know what to expect. I do know last year, I don't think they ever moved up to be like truly running on, on the wall, on the mm -hmm. cushion, like they do at Eldora. So. Yeah. I don't know. I was, I felt like I did a good job up top at Eldora, but that probably wasn't my, my wheelhouse. So we'll see at Bristol, how different it is. We'll see what I'm able to do, but uh, then I'll, I'll be in the Knoxville race uh, in a couple months as well in trucks. So uh, that track's now completely different. It's totally flat and tiny compared to both Bristol and Eldora. Mm -hmm. It's like a little short track for dirt. So um Totally don't know what to expect for either one of these, but it's going to be fun. And 
you know, if I, if I go out and if I can get a top 10 or something, mm. I, I would say as a non-dirt guy, that's, that'd be a great weekend for me. And uh, if you looked at the entry list, you saw it is stacked. We got like a half oh, yeah. guys. Mm-hmm. We've got a bunch of dirt ringers. Um, and then me trying to figure out what the heck I'm doing. So it, it's going to be a tough one, um, but we'll see. We'll see what we can do. I feel optimistic going into it. Young's Motorsports has been great to work with. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like truly whenever we go to the track, I always have the mindset of we're here to win. We're here to compete to win and we've got a shot to win. And I mean, you make that team look very good when you're out there too. Absolutely. Yeah, great results together. And we got some awesome tracks coming up I, I, I like the dirt tracks i think anyone's got a shot there so we feel like those are races that why can't we win uh we got sonoma coming up we got mid ohio coming up you know the uh, these are tracks that we're going to and circling saying we want a trophy here we want a trophy here we want a trophy here so um you know i think we've got a good shot to try to compete for wins this year and see what we're able to do and i know if yeah. we were able to go out and get a win or two this year it would help my career hugely. It would help Young's Motorsports. It would be the greatest thing ever. So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see if we're able to do it. We're mm-hmm. working every day towards that. Yeah, absolutely. I lied, Cass. I do have one more for you. It's kind of an off-topic question. I'm sure Austin has one more as well. I'll get to him in a second. Growing up in Boston, and I have to ask this because I have to know: Did you grow up watching any? Uh, Red Sox games, Patriot games, Bruins games, Celtics games. Did you grow up watching any of those teams? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I okay. was never a stick and ball sport guy like most okay. of in Boston growing up. Um, but I've been to all of those. I've been to a Patriots game. I've been to a Red Sox game. Uh, I've been to a Bruins game. Um, everything up there. And um, I, I always loved going to those live sporting events. They were mm. they, and actually my sister used to work for the Boston Blazers which was their which was Boston's indoor lacrosse team which oh, played, wow. uh, played at the Boston Garden which is where the, the Celtics and uh, the Bruins play yes uh, so, so since she worked there we had season tickets to that we used to go to that every single Thursday um, so yeah I was definitely a Boston sports fan but uh, I've been a, a racing guy through and through from a very young age. I can't say I understand. I, there's never been a season where I've watched all the football games or all the baseball games. I'm not really an avid uh, follower of, of any of those. I'm, I understand. I'm more than a race guy. I don't miss a cup race. What, if, if I'm <laughs> watching it on TV, I don't miss, I don't miss a cup race, an Xfinity race, a truck race. It doesn't matter. Like I could be out to dinner with friends uh, and I'll have Fox Sports One going on my phone if it's mm-hmm. if it's Xfinity practice, and I'll I'll have it I'll have it on my phone. Yeah, the so, the, 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 the guy on my right can vouch for you when you say that. Absolutely. <laughs> are you kidding? Are you kidding me? If the race is on and I'm at work, I find my way to get at least a little bit of it. <laughs> yeah. Knowing you, you would, Austin. You got one more, my guy. I mean, this is a question that uh has been going around for years, Kaz. And I think you know where I'm going with this one. Oh, God. This was once a video put out by New Hampshire Motor Speedway. What is a Kaz Grawler? What is a Kaz Grawler? Oh, no. You, you, had, you had to bring that up? Come on, man. Yes, I did. <laughs> New Hampshire Motor Speedway, uh, they, they used to do, I don't know if they do anymore since COVID, but tracks used to do what's called a race advance. 
which is they pick one driver uh, from an upcoming uh, truck or Xfinity race, and they'll have them come up like a that the week leading into that race, and they'll do different media opportunities with them mm -hmm. to kind of hype up and advertise for the race weekend. So I did that for New Hampshire, of course, since it's my home race. They had me come right. out, uh, and they came up with this idea of me running around with a microphone, and they're following me with like a little portable camera and just asking random people on the streets of Concord, New Hampshire, what is a Kaz Brawler? And I mean, we're not <laughs> that close to the racetrack. We're like a half hour, 45 minutes from the track on like a Tuesday. Oh, no, like, oh man. Not, it's not crawling with race fans. This is just people like out getting coffee during their, their work break in the, mm -hmm. like the city of Concord. So right. I'm asking these random people what a Casgrala is, and I got some good responses. You got some ridiculous. Oh my gosh! They thought it was like an animal. They thought it was a country. <laughs> they like I, bizarre. Somebody said it sounds like the brand of an umbrella or something. <laughs> um, and then it, it turns out that people actually loved it so much that uh nascar themselves ended up doing a follow-up what is it casgrala 2 mm -hmm. with 2018 nascar had me do that in charlotte uh do the same thing um we <laughs> we had so what you don't see on the video because they edit it out is the uncomfortable part of me having to go up to each person and ask hey are you okay with being filmed can i ask you a question and oh. you get <laughs> oh, about 75 no's before you get a yes so mm. it was very uncomfortable for me running around with this microphone in a city and at 18 years old and like uncomfortably asking people who are clearly in a rush to work if they would talk to me on camera uh we got a lot of dirty looks but um the funny part was that when i did it for nascar with them being a large corporation and having to do a little bit more legal stuff I, I didn't just ask people if they would do it. I, I had to get them to sign a release on a clipboard mm -hmm. before I could ask them the question and then be on the video. Oh so yeah, there, it, it was quite an eventful day. In order to get those, you know, dozen decent responses, we were out there for hours trying to get them. So yeah, but those videos came out really, really funny. And I can't even tell you how many people um just like in the industry crew chiefs or other drivers or people on teams that like i'll see that i don't even know and they'll be like what is a casgrala that'll be the first thing they <laughs> oh gosh will there ever be a third one uh, that i don't know I don't, <laughs> like there has to be someday i had i had to ask man i'm sorry all right, all right jimmy sounds like our job we got to go to a race get cas <laughs> we're going to the streets somehow you know, somewhere we gotta make that happen We'll have a lot better luck with that question if we're at a racetrack. Yeah. <laughs> what makes it really funny is being completely away from a racetrack, just in you gotta the Gotta go outside of oh, town. Oh man. <laughs> just just go out to random people on the streets and sidewalks, be like, hey, what's a gas growl? And be like, oh my God, that, that, that'd be worth that be worth some views. But back to that, because I asked this in the last interview with that I did with you. And you said if you ran a few more Sundays, people might know who you are. So now, to you, is your name out there so people know what a Casgrala is? Uh, I don't know if it's out there 
on the streets of a random city. We'll see. <laughs> I need to keep working a little harder to try to get that. But what what matters more to me is it's out there now in the industry and um, it's helping me get more rides. So more rides means maybe more random people walking to work on the sidewalk, knowing the name. So I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and we'll see where we land here in a few years. <laughs> yeah, that that's, that's a really awesome answer. Austin, you, you still got one more, my guy? Go ahead. Yeah, yes, because I'm thinking about something. And this okay. might this might get your eye too, Jimmy. Okay. If somebody was to sponsor you for a race in the truck or Xfinity series, how much does that range around? Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I mean, it all depends because you can get different size stickers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the most part, a you're, it's going to be six digits to be the main sponsor on, on a truck or an Xfinity car. I gotcha. Um, but yeah, we've got all sorts of small stickers. We do some fun stuff on B posts and uh, we've had a lot of, of smaller companies that are trying to get their name out there that just do some social media and a B post or something. So, you know, a few thousand dollars and you can usually work with a race team and uh, try to do something, something small and something that will, be right for what your company's looking to do. So, um, right. We, we do anything. I I've even done some deals in the past. You've probably seen with hot screen. Uh, we've done some like purely social media based deals, Mm -hmm. uh, not on the race car at all. So, um, we figure everything out. (laughs) Very, very fascinating stuff. Well, listen, Kaz, our time's come to a close, man, but this was such a huge honor. It was very nice chatting with you. Thank you so, so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on and talk to us. We really appreciate it, and we're rooting for you all the way, man. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Hey, no anytime. Problem. And hey, you know what? Anytime you want to come back on, just let us know. We can make that work. You're always welcome back. Thank you. Anytime. He is Kaz Grala. Before we actually sign off, actually, I forgot to ask you one more question. How can people find you on social media? Uh, well, if you go to my website, casgrala.com, you can find links to everything. That's probably the easiest okay. way. But, um, my Instagram's at casgrala. So is my Twitter. And I got a page on Facebook, casgrala as well. So you can check me out on everything. Yeah, very simple enough, just like our social media pages. <laughs> I don't TikTok, though. That's the one. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> We I'm not we the only it. one. The only we one who uses TikTok on this platform is the guy to my right, right yes, here. Yes, but I use it for our behind the scenes. I use it for our behind the scenes, so don't throw me under the bus now. I was, yeah, that's the only thing you should be using it for. If I catch you doing any of those challenges, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, though, that's beside the point. Cass Grala, again, dude, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much, my guy. You're welcome back anytime. Thank you. All right, he is. He, yeah, exactly. He is the one and only. Cas Grala, and we're rooting for this guy all the way throughout his what is presumably to be in our eyes an illustrious racing career. For Cas Grala and for Mr. Taco, I'm Jimmy Finizzi. This is the Bottom Line Podcast, and we will see you in the next episode. Peace and take care.